You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to the Eye on the Prize podcast, which technically was supposed to be Eyes, but, you know, whatever. The art guy changed the name in the uh, in the icons, so. <laughs> but we'll have one eye on the prize. That's that's okay. I only need one right now. But <laughs> who has one eye on the prize? Why? It's Justin Zarian, your host. And with me again is Ian Butcher. Ian, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. about yourself? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in just a bit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that, that good, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's finals week, and that's gonna that's gonna have a lot of stories behind it. But yeah. we also, you might hear a new voice here. We have a new guest. Uh, please introduce yourself, man. Uh, hi, I'm Shaquille Lambert, but I also go by Shaq. It's not spelled like fucking Shaquille O'Neal, but <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, so Shaquille, I believe uh, I remember you're from Toronto, right? Yep, just I'm like an hour out from Toronto. Nice. No, uh, I've actually never been to Toronto myself. I went to Ottawa um, a few months back, but yeah, Canada's really nice up there. So, dude, it's it's great. It's not as cold. Well, it's actually during the winters it is that cold, but during the <laughs> summer it's totally fine. It's fucking perfect. Oh, I'm sure. So, uh, Shaquille, then, uh, what's your association with the site? Like, uh, how long have you been a fan? Have you been doing uh, podcast stuff? Uh, just uh, explain about yourself or pimp out any of your own um, works you do. Okay. I, um, have, my introduction to the podcast game was actually, like, around the spill days, like, er, like, early, like, we're talking, like, early, mid-2008, nice. and from then on, nice. I've just been, like, hooked on just, like, every kind of show, like, I've been hooked on so many different kinds of podcasts and shows and all this stuff, and I'm still a fan of, like, the original Spill crew, like, I follow, like, One of Us and Double Toasted, all this good stuff, and, uh, yeah, no, just been really enthusiastic about the stuff and hasn't wavered since really yeah no i'm actually i joined in around the same time as you did uh, i remember i think the first review i saw was the dark knight review or the tropic thunder review <laughs> and uh, I, actually i was just a bit after mine was max Payne. That oh, fucking, oh god that mess <laughs> oh boy i am so glad i've totally dodged that movie i'm just like i, I i'm not bothered <laughs> but uh, this is still this is still during the era where i had faith in video game movies to where now i'm just i'm just beaten down <laughs> every single time there's like a new one i'm like nah well, it, you, it's not gonna be the one you don't think tomb raider is gonna break the mold ha <laughs> uh, no. i mean it's <laughs> It's Roar Uthog, so he's done at least one movie I like. So, but then I could say the same thing about the guy who did Assassin's Creed, yeah. and we saw. I mean, it, I mean, his name is Roar. It can't be that bad. <laughs> well, hey, there, the, there was a, a guy named Thor who directed that movie. So, yeah. Yeah, Thor Percy Jackson too. Yeah. Yes, indeed, that is correct. <laughs> I I don't know what it is about Scandinavian directors and their names. It's just Roar and Thor and Gore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we are not talking about Percy Jackson or Scandinavian directors on this Damn podcast. It. Uh, we might it might come up if we talk about foreign films, though. But um, <laughs> we are doing our second episode, and this one I've tentatively titled "The Precursor Legacy." And why I called it that is because, well, during this time in the Oscar season, this is when all the precursor awards, all the preliminary awards, whatever words you want to use, comes out. The kind of it helps a lot of the Oscarologists, as I call them, to mm-hmm. see, hey, what's likely to get the buzz? Who's gaining? Who's losing? Who's, you know, just kind of sitting there in the little nebulous spot, little gray zone? Uh, so we had quite a few come up in the last two weeks since we recorded. And I felt like we can give a little bit of a overview just to discuss, like, who do we think got the most advantage from this? Who maybe is getting kind of ignored? 
Uh, but first of all, I just want to ask. So, Ian, uh, how's your week been? Or last two weeks since we recorded? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. Just, you know, uh, trying to catch up on movies uh, for the awards season. And uh, I'm in the middle of a, a giant Star Wars rewatch myself. So, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so is that for any of the shows or just uh, just out of your own interest? Uh, yeah, 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 you just out of my own interest. You just kind of get uh, get back into that headspace. Okay, okay. Um, so then uh, what kind of award um, screeners or movies have you been seeing lately? Uh, I, I finally saw Three Billboards, which was great. Awesome. Oh, my God, so it's good. so good. <laughs> so good. And then cool. uh, uh, I finally saw Disaster Artist, which was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, no, because I know I knew you said you were going to see that that weekend when we recorded. Or yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was it was great. It's it is f- for a movie that's you know about the making of the worst movie ever made. It is shockingly great and and way more emotional and endearing than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's why I've been hearing that they actually give this very humanizing look at uh, Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. Which yeah, yeah, that's the thing that kind of took me aback because I was expecting it to kind of. In in some respect, kind of talk down to to Tommy Wiseau, but or, yeah, it, it, just kind of mock him for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> it kind it kind of does, or at least it doesn't shy away from kind of what an asshole he was. But it's still, oh yeah, yeah. But it, but it still is a very kind of yeah yeah. I guess humanizing is the word. Uh, look at that story. Okay, yeah, I know. I know there's been a little, uh, I guess. Not backlash, but a little bit of uh, some the book snobbishness from, of all people, the, the Double Toasted crew. Because they were just like, oh, well, the audiobook's so much better. But I, I'm trying to go in fair with the movie. I'm hoping to see it this weekend, and I really, really want to see it. Because, hey, again, James Franco is likely going to get nominated for playing Tommy Wiseau. That's, Which is insane. <laughs> that's insane and amazing. It's going to be great just seeing Tommy on like the actual Oscar stage. You're going to be like... What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> I, I will note, though, uh, one thing someone pointed out, and I couldn't stop thinking about it when I saw it, that, yeah, actually, the height difference between Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau is totally different than the real, than what James Franco and um, Dave Franco are. Because oh, yeah. in real life, Tommy Wiseau is kind of really, really small, and Greg Sestero is a freaking giant. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> that, that was a little odd when I realized that. I'm like... Oh yeah, you know, if you put Tommy Wiseau and James Franco on the stage together, he would just dwarf him completely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that would be that'd be awesome. But then, uh, Shaquilla, what's been going on with you? Um, any fun stuff? Any movies you've seen lately? Um, well, mainly just busy as hell with uh with ex- with finals week as that's happening. Um, in terms of movies, yeah, like I, j- I j- also just saw Disaster Artist, which I enjoyed, not to the extent of like Ian and like a lot of the reviews. But I still enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Um, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Dave Franco as Greg Sestero. Like, yeah. he, to me, felt like the true heart of the movie. And one thing that really surprised me is that even though he was only in it for two scenes, fucking Zac Efron as Chris R. made me fucking <laughs> die laughing every single minute. I cannot wait. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I also saw I rewatched Thor Ragnarok, which I liked more than I did the first time, uh, which I, I liked it a lot. But it, my big issue still is that every time you go back to Hela and the whole situation at Asgard, the interest level just drops because it feels it goes back to kind of like the Shakespearean stuff that doesn't really work as well. But they, thankfully, Taika adds like some of his well, his Taika ness, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I. I can see yeah. that, and I, I kind of agree, because I felt like that stuff wasn't awful, like some of the other villain stuff has been awful in the past, but there was that one point when they tried to give Kate Blanchett, like, funny dialogue, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know Kate Blanchett's funnier than this, but it's just not working. 
But that was that was me personally. I'm sure you probably felt the same way, maybe. Pretty much. Uh, I there's a lot of jokes that I didn't catch on the first uh, the first time because uh, I hadn't seen what we do in the shadows between those two two screenings. <laughs> so when they when they referenced the three vampires huddled together, I was like, oh my god, that all makes sense now. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, actually, I have not seen what we do in the shadows either. So I'm gonna watch that now and I'm gonna catch that joke. Oh, it's. It's legitimately one of the funniest things I've seen in years. That's like, right I was, here. I was astounded by how much I loved it. The, the um, whole the whole scene where he tries to lure the girl back to his room and he's laying out all the yes. newspapers <laughs> as she's burying out her soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's then, awesome. And then one last thing. Uh, I actually managed to see Coming to America in a theater. Oh, nice. There's an art house. Uh, there's an there's a massive, expensive art house theater called the Tiff Bell Lightbox, which is sponsored by well, like the Toronto International Film Festival, and they have a whole program right now where they're concentrating on like black the history of black cinema, and one of the movies that they picked was Coming to America. I'm like, this is the one chance I get to see it in the theater, so I'm gonna go, and it was a fucking blast. I fucking adore that movie. Yeah, no, and then uh, that was one of the first big ones of uh, Eddie Murphy's putting on makeup and playing multiple characters thing, too, right? I believe that was the first one, actually. Whereas him and Arsenio, they played, like, so many roles, and they're all so good. Like, it's, like my personal favorite is, yeah, the barber, the dudes in the barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I believe that was um, the one of the first times Rick Baker got a makeup domination for doing a Eddie Murphy movie. And, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, because um, that was the year. Because it was also uh, John Landis who directed it. Because uh, I, I just looked it up. It's like, oh yeah, that, that that sounded familiar. Which I mean, it is black cinema, but it's directed by a white guy. But yeah. <laughs> but, but but still, uh, it's a for us, it's a cultural touchstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it was you know it was one of the first big like you know yeah seeing what Eddie Murphy could do to play multiple characters and yeah he played because I remember he played the Jewish guy in that scene. He played he the main guy. He played like what other characters did he play? Uh, he you... played um yeah the other the other main barber. Um, he played uh, Randy Watson from Sexual Chocolate. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. But uh, yeah, we see them go on to do other successful jobs, like in Norbit. <laughs> but oh. uh, we we not go talk about that. No, but they did do Nutty Professor, and I still love showing that movie for when I teach classes. But well, at least when when I did back at Brigham Young University, because uh, I wanted to show makeup jobs and the makeup. If you get it on a higher resolution, like Blu-ray or something like that, you can see that it looks like makeup. But it's still really impressive makeup work that they do for The Nutty Professor. <laughs> and uh, it was just funny showing it to a bunch of students who had never, ever seen that movie before or watched, like, any Eddie Murphy films. And just like, okay, tell me which of these people is not Eddie Murphy in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they mostly got it right. Just like, uh, so the kid's the only one, right? Yep, <laughs> pretty much. But uh, anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, yeah, I kind of alluded to this before we started recording, but, um, this last two, these last two weeks were hell for me. <laughs> and I, I mean, first, good things. I, I rewatched Thor Ragnarok as well, uh, because I took my parents and my family to go see it, and thankfully they all loved it. I was super worried, because none of us were really big fans of the first two Thor movies, but we, yeah, even my mom, who's kind of harsh critic, she's like, that was really, really fun. Um, especially... I'm so happy they all loved Korg as much as I do, because Korg... <laughs> Korg is the best. Korg is the Korg best. Korg is the best. He is. I, I really don't want anything bad to happen to him in Infinity War. Just, like, just just keep him around. He's just such a good comic foil for everybody, <laughs> you know? Um, 
my whole thing was I said I want Korg in every single Marvel movie from that, now that on. Is... Just find just find a way to just put him in there, even if it's for like thirty seconds. Him and yeah. him and Goldblum. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I will admit that I think Jeff Goldblum. I liked him a little bit more the second time around. I think it's just that he's not acting as much as everybody else in this movie. But <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's just playing Jeff Goldblum in funny makeup. And sure, we all love Jeff Goldblum. So um, I kind of had to get over that. Just like, look, he, he knew exactly what he was doing when he got cast in this role. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, wait, did you guys ever see that uh, James Corden skit where they got uh, they pretended to play? Thor Ragnarok, and then they had the actual actors show up and do like a grade school version of Thor yeah. Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And G- Jeff Goldblum <laughs> did not change at all. <laughs> like you could have put that scene, and it would have fit in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I. He's kind of in that Bill Murray sphere for me. Just like he knows exactly what people expect from him, kind of thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I still love him though. But then, uh, I know Ian will probably disagree. I saw Justice League and. I thought it was okay. Uh, I know. Get a beer. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. I no, thought I, it was all right. I will say, Ian, a lot of the complaints, that because uh, for those who didn't see it, on Double Toasted, Ian and Will Valley had a lengthy uh, vivisection of... <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, Massacre, some I, would say. Something, yeah. Some some intense words. So evisceration, if you will. But uh, I will not disagree with a lot of the complaints you made, because there are plenty of things to be annoyed about with that movie. Uh, especially, I knew things were going to be rough in that very first sequence when you see Henry Cavill's edited mustache. It, yep. And I still God. say, if they had not shot it on iPhone footage, they could have edited that better. I mean, it didn't look much better in the film footage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, putting it in highly pixelated content only makes it more obvious the huge gaping skin edit. <sighs> yeah. So, but on the other hand, I also will say there are a few things I didn't dislike about it where I thought some of the actors were okay, some of the action was okay. But, and then again, I can never say it was good. It was just passable. But now we've set the bar so high for superhero movies, passable is just not good enough anymore, it seems. It would have been the best superhero movie in 1998. Unfortunately, it's not 1998. Sure, sure. And I will not disagree with that purely. So In the same year that we got Logan, it's like... Oh my god! You yeah. gotta step. You gotta step your game up, man. Yeah, we, well, the same yeah, we, we got Spider-Man: Homecoming too, which I, I love. <laughs> yeah, we we start the year with Logan, you know, Oscar caliber, you know, gripping adult drama, and then we end the year with Justice League. Like science cannot measure the distance between those two. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, we also got Guardians of the Galaxy too, which was also kind of meh, Woo. but I I was not a fan at all. I, I, I will fight you, but that's for another time. Oh, I know. Liked- <laughs> I liked it to an extent. I wasn't crazy about it. Like, it's one of those movies I kind of forgot about, aside from the ending, which actually was really poignant. It was really poignant in a movie that had zero emotional impact before that point. So it's just, it exactly. was just kind of a, it was an odd left turn to suddenly go, and now we're going to be really, really sad. <laughs> Wasn't this the same movie where we had to, like, spend five minutes laughing at a really dumb nickname? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I already know Ian and I have a grudge match set up for a few movies that I've heard him uh, for his voice's opinion on. <laughs> that'll, that'll be for another day. Um, but yes, uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to watch other movies after Thanksgiving because, oh, where do I begin? Uh, first of all, I submitted nine PhD applications in this last week. Fucking what? Jesus, nine. man. Nine. I mean, it wasn't just all within the last week, but this last week was the deadline for a few of them, including Austin University. So, hey. Hey. 
I'm just going to say, if anyone in Austin can put in a good word for me, just Justin Zarian coming in for the film PhD department, uh, I would really appreciate it. Oh, you, should, <laughs> and, you, should get, and, you should get Corey to do it. <laughs> 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 he did teach a class, or at least one class there, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's a horrible idea. I, I know. I know. I'm not serious. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, that was only stressful because um, one of my professors didn't send any recommendations before the deadline. And I was getting frustrated because I'm like, this guy's had literally two months to submit applications for at least Austin. <clears throat> so I contacted him and he said uh, he was out of the country when the deadline was happening. So I had to literally last minute call back one of my undergraduate professors. And I'm just like, I'm really sorry. I know this is last minute, but this guy just totally bailed on me. Uh, and thankfully, I caught him on the one day that he was available to write a recommendation letter. So thankfully, I got my three minimum in. And so that should at least, you know, they won't overlook me <laughs> now. But, uh, yeah, that was rough. Um, and then it's been finals week. And I've had, oh, boy, I had two giant projects due on the same day yesterday. And then um, another paper I had to finish for another class that day. And uh, the, the research project was the biggest one because I did a research on um, the challenges facing women in photojournalism, which, you know, very heady topic, very in-depth mm -hmm. stuff that we got. Um, but the problem was, was that my research partner and I had kind of procra procrastinated a little bit. Everyone did. But uh, it came to the problem that we were now literally down to the wire to get this, this paper written. Uh, and <laughs> in the end, we had to pretty much spend the entire night writing and editing this paper to the point that we literally finished right when class was about to start. Jesus. I mean, and we we'd already got a lot of the work down, but the problem was, like, you know, proofreading, editing, formatting, printing it out, putting it into a giant binder, and we literally obsessed over this to the point that I got maybe half an hour sleep the night before. <laughs> and I'm amazed I'm still alive and, and recording this. I'm, or maybe I'm not. Maybe this is just a hallucination in my head. But, you a uh, bold man. You uh, are a bold ass man. A bold and very stupid man in some kit in some <laughs> So that's bad. Um, and then I had a problem with my car to add everything else onto this, where I may not be able to drive for a while legally. And oh. uh, yeah, it's it's some stupid thing with insurance lapsings, and uh, ugh, that that is no fun. So. <laughs> that's been what's been going on with me for the last two weeks uh, so I've had no time for movies unfortunately but hopefully now that I've rectified that and now I mean, I'm going to rectify that right now because we're going to talk about the award season finally after this long intro <laughs> but hey. yeah, right. so um, I want to ask you so Shaq we talked a little bit before this recording you said that you are also a big Oscar fan right yeah thing is I try and play it off like I'm not I'm like oh they're award shows like they don't mean nothing but the thing is, is that I'm wild invested in them, and I only just kind of came to terms with that, like, last year. Like, when that, <laughs> when that whole debacle happened, and then I had the biggest, like, feeling of vindication when the whole Best Picture thing happened, I was like, <laughs> all right, yeah, I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was definitely one of the most memorable moments I've had ever in an award ceremony. <laughs> oh, dude, the thing is, is, I need to preface this, because... Uh, I am very much in the anti-La La Land camp. Like, oh, fuck I you. I fucking hated it. Well, I, actually, I won't say hated it that strong, but, like, I dreaded it. And then I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it as much as I thought. And so when 
it won Best Picture. I was like, fuck off, I'm done. Like, I, I figured this would happen. So I turned off my TV, and immediately on Facebook, someone says, yo, turn your TV back on. And I turn it back on, and that's when it happened. And I laughed my ass off for about a good two hours. <laughs> like, I, what I legitimately mean, like, two hours, I just kept giggling. Wow. To the point, I, I put the Moonlight envelope as my cover photo on Facebook <laughs> for, like, a week. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no uh my friend and i we were watching and we were like all ready we were like, tallying up our award ballots we were getting ready to just you know call it a night and yeah literally that moment the guy's like no no there's been a mistake and we kind of just did this double take like wait what what and we just we were just <laughs> jaws agape for that whole time just like this has never happened <laughs> I was like, this is the best moment of my fucking life right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. But, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it was amazing. So, um, on that note, though, uh, talking about the Oscar ceremonies, we're going to go into a little bit of news, just a few uh, you know, touch points here before we get to the actual precursor stuff. So, they just announced, yeah. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Kimmel's coming back this next year. So, that's kind of cool. I, and I don't know what you guys thought. I thought he actually did a pretty good job hosting on the whole. He was... More consistent than a lot of hosts that I'd seen in the last few years. Yeah, for the most part, like I can't really think of like a host that I actively at least dislike that much. But like I thought he was pretty, yeah, he was pretty solid for the most part. Like I, I dug the opening monologue, which usually I'm just kind of sitting there like kind of mixed. But the, you know, he pulled out a really solid. Yeah, no, show, I think I him and uh, Chris Rock both had really strong monologues to open up this year, and I think. That makes a lot of difference for when you're watching the ceremony, like to have a really strong start, because yeah. you know you're gonna be sitting there for the next three hours or something like that. It better be a good show. Um, I mean, and Ian, uh, what are your thoughts on Kimmel? Like, did you have any particular feelings towards it? Or I, I mean, yeah, I guess consistent is the word I would use to describe him. Like, I, I didn't feel anything. Like, he didn't feel any. He didn't hit any like huge highs for me, but he he also didn't hit any huge lows of like the James Franco Anne Hathaway year. Oh, he, no. yeah. <laughs> that yeah, one was he, a debacle right oh, from yeah. the opening skit. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah. He Ooh. he got in, got out. The show went relatively okay, and even when the whole uh, Moonlight thing went down at the end, he, he was still able to like relatively handle that with uh, some degree of uh, of tact. Yeah, I can only imagine there's gonna be a lot of jokes about that this year. Oh, <laughs> but God, um, yes. Oh, oh yeah. But the big news apparently they realized that yeah, this show can go on for a very very long time. And we're not going to do it shorter, but we're going to start half an hour earlier than usual. Fuck, man. <laughs> like, it's already long enough because the thing is, is I end up watching, like, the, the red carpet show just because I'm also on Twitter at the same time and people just go on roast <laughs> sessions. And those already are long enough with the actual ceremony. So this... This is just going to be a nightmare, Well, I mean, at man. least possibly if they keep it to the same length, we'll get done before, like, freaking 12 or 1 in the morning. Probably because, uh, yeah, Maybe they'll give them an excuse to fill in that extra half hour with more uh, whatever nonsense from the red carpet. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, guess what's in the box? What do you think's more... in the box? Who's going to win what's, what's in the box? Yeah, it'll give him time to do more, like, masturbatory, self-congratulatory, uh, like, retrospectives about the industry. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just curious if... I mean, I know that this is not something I really like talking about, per se, because it just makes you depressed, but all the scandalous stuff going on, I'm, I'm curious how it's going to taint the award season this year, because so far, the Academy's been... There's going to be, like... Oh, they're... There's going to be a total of, like, six people in that audience. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, and that's the problem, is that they've really been hesitant to talk about it at all, so I'm curious how that's going to affect the proceedings going on in the ceremony, but... I mean... 
I mean, they, yeah, go they gotta they gotta acknowledge it in some way. It'd be weirder if they didn't. But knowing yeah. the Oscars, it'll be acknowledged in like a really weird, like you know, vanilla plan. Like, hey, everything's fine. Okay, let's move on and never reference this again, kind of way. Yeah. Though, uh, going into the precursor stuff later, we'll have they'll probably have to bring it up because um, one of the big films emerging as a front horse or uh, you know as a front runner is kind of about that topic. <laughs> but um, anyway. Uh, also, the weirdest thing, too, did you see that Jeffrey Tambor may not be leaving Transparent after all? Even oh, with. Geez. Yeah, there was what? some news story that just came out. They're like, yeah, he may not actually be leaving the show. Uh, there may be some way they're going to bring him back. So that's going to be interesting. As a ghost. Okay. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, but moving on to award stuff. Um, so the WGA awards are not going to be announced or any nominations announced for some time, but. They've already listed their uh, films that are not eligible for nomination this year. Because, <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, you have to be a part of the WGA to be eligible for the WGA. It's kind of the same rule with the Director's Guild. And it's a reason why a lot of people don't join those guilds, because they have some really, you know, kind of silly rules. Um, if I remember, you know, people like Rodriguez famously quit the WGA. I mean, not no, not W, the uh, Director's Guild, because they wouldn't let him have co-directing credit with um, uh, Frank Miller in that case. Oh, for uh, yeah, and then I think the Coen brothers don't do DGA anymore because technically they're listed as two directors now because for the longest time, only Joel got the credit for directing. And it's like, no, Ethan's right there literally next to me doing every single shot. So I think that's why, like, that year they weren't up for the DGA for True Grit, but they got the Oscar nomination because they, you know, Academy is not going to discriminate two directors in that case. Um, but the big mm-hmm. headline films that are not eligible, uh, unfortunately, one is Three Billboards. Um, that will not be eligible for WGA. Uh, and then Darkest Hour, which, you know, whatever. Uh, and then eh. Breathe, uh, Coco, and I believe Killing of the Sacred Deer are not eligible. Uh. Yeah, so those films that, uh, you know, quite a few people really like, yeah, we're not going to consider them. But and I feel like the WGA, make, that makes for some weird nominations, because one year, Lone Survivor got a screenplay nomination because oh, of all Jesus. These... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's not even a bad script, but best screenplay, that's just... Well, like, that's, come that, on now. That you feels know, more you about know directing. Marky Mark, you know Marky Mark bought that nomination. Come on. Probably. I mean, how can you hear all the dialogue beneath all the F-bombs thrown in that movie? <laughs> Gosh dang, there's so much cussing. I'm just like... Half this dialogue just F that, F you, F this, F and hey. freaking. Fr- <laughs> hey, ta- hey, Taliban, say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Marky Mark. I still love it. They even found a scene kind of like that. We're just going to sneak around the Taliban. Don't worry yeah, about just, it. Yeah. Gonna be- They're never going to notice us. It's all right. We're just going to go on really peaceful, real quiet like. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow, is this, is this scene supposed to be a joke? <laughs> but no, it <laughs> was actual dialogue. Yes. <laughs> um, so then on that note, um, so now the Academy is starting to announce their shortlist. And this is the big ones because, you know, people often say, hey, why isn't this film nominated? Well, in some categories, they actually do have shortlists that you can pick only from these movies. And it's usually for stuff like the ones listed here, like short films, because there's so many short films that get submitted. They have to narrow it down for people to be able to vote for them because most likely they'll never see them otherwise. But um, short films, uh, at least in these cases, the documentary shorts, the shortlist is out there. I've not seen any of these movies, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And usually the Academy voters yeah. don't either. They just, like I've said, they, they put up a dartboard and whatever they their darts land on, they'll put on their Oscar ballots. But um, uh, the big one, though, is I think it's the film Alone is a Netflix short film. <clears throat> Fact check. Sorry, it was actually heroin in that case. My bad. 
And Netflix won the category last year with the White Helmets. And so I think people are noticing that this is kind of becoming a niche for them, that the only way Netflix is getting into the ceremony so far is documentary and short categories. So, hey, that's cool. You know, they're starting to get their foothold bit by bit. But uh, the other short list that I'm more impressed about, and this is technically the first short list. They're going to narrow it down to 10 films um, in later in December. But first, they have a 20-film short list for visual effect candidates. Mm. Now, this one, obviously... Uh, and you guys have the link there, too. There's... Uh, hmm. Some of these films probably don't deserve to get nominated, and I really hope they don't make it through. Oh, God. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man, Tell No Tales. Those effects are not good. <laughs> hey, I, hey, say what you will. Javier Bardem's weirdly floating head is the best special effect I've seen all year. Oh, my gosh. Mm, oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the concept of the effect is really cool, but, yeah, in practice, it's just... It, it looks really, really awkward. Um... And, you know, there's even a few films that I'm like, okay, these effects were fine in, like, say, oh, uh, Life, you know, some of that. It's like, yeah, those effects were fine for a film that nobody yeah. remembers or talks about, you know? Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 they're fine, but it's the, the effects in Life aren't better than, or on par with, like, the effects in Planet of the Apes or Blade Runner. No, and I think those two are probably definitely going in, because so far, those have been the ones on the shortlist for, like, production design work, visual effect yeah. work, and whatever's been on the preliminary list. Um but yeah, I'm not, I, I won't read them all here for the podcast, but uh, look it up. It's on Hollywood Reporter, uh, at least the link that I got here. But, you know, there's a few films like, say, Dunkirk. Uh, you know, Dunkirk might possibly get in because Nolan likes to sneak in those, you know, invisible effect shots that people like to recognize. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, I think I think Dunkirk actually is a, a very good shot of, uh, of getting it because I've seen the movie a couple of times, and I know that there's visual effect shots in the movie, but I still can't find them. I still have no idea where they are. Yeah, no, it's very much like uh, Mad Max, where they did a lot of those, like, there's some obvious effect shots, but there's a lot of yeah. them, like, I didn't know that was an effect. <laughs> That's exactly. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then Marvel films, you know, I I doubt, I mean, I Spider-Man don't think Hulk... They, I, I don't think any of them really are good enough. At least, like, maybe, maybe Guardians might make it in, but I wouldn't really be happy if it did. Uh, see, like... actually, I, my vote's for Thor Ragnarok, because even though Spider-Man was my favorite of those three... I think Ragnarok displayed a lot more ingenuity in its design. But Guardians, I think Guardians had some good effects, too. I will agree with that. And even though the movie's not out yet, Star Wars is going to get a nomination. Oh, Most likely. Sure. Like, though I noticed one like, that... um, Rogue One didn't oh, get as many nominations last year. I noticed that, too. Well, yeah, because everybody was creeped out by dead Peter Cushing. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the film kind of sucked, too. So. Hey. 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 <laughs> I will fight you guys. I, we will fight you. Yo, tag team. We'll go, yeah, we'll go to the we'll go to the end of Civil War on your ass. Come on. <laughs> oh but, boy. Uh, if, if anything, out of all of these, the one that I know people are kind of discounting, but I think would actually be a pretty good shot would be Valerian. Because even though that movie's not good, oh, I really do like a lot of the effects in it. I think they're all really like mostly really impressive, especially for what's technically the most expensive indie movie. <laughs> Peter, I have to save the universe. Hi, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> After five minutes, Mr. Pennyworth. Be the Apex Predator. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, no, I, I will, I, let's hook up. <laughs> I will agree with you, though, that I do think Valerian, for having not seen it and not really interested in seeing it, because it's Luke Besson. Why do I want to see it? But <laughs> um, those effects shots in the trailers were really impressive. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, it, yeah. It looks it's colorful, it's extravagant, but yeah, I think it's just there's not enough goodwill built towards the movie. Because, yeah, it was. Freaking expensive as hell. I mean, didn't Suicide Squad get nominated or was that just makeup? Oh, no, it won an Academy Award. You know, 
Yeah, I know it won for I know it won for freaking makeup, but did it get nominated for uh, visual effects? No, yeah, that was the only God, that no. was the only award. So okay. Yeah, um, you know, actually, one just thinking of that too. One I would like to kind of get recognized, even though it's got a far shot, but there's been kind of this built like the slightly building love for Okja. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed in some circles, and that is one of the contenders for visual effects. So, I mean, it'd be a long shot, but that could be kind of cool. Another way for Netflix to kind of creep into the market that way, because yeah, I thought the effects in Okja were pretty good, actually. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. They really went for um, more so than a lot of the other movies in the, this contenders list. Really went for kind of a, a photoreal look. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then the last bit of news here, uh, not really anything special. Kristen Bell is going to be the first ever host of an uh, SAG ceremony, you know, the Screen Actors Guild. Well, good for her. Yeah, good for her. That's <laughs> all i got to say about that. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, there's nothing really else to say. It's like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, the SAG have got on without a host for a long time, which seems really difficult, and that's why I really didn't watch any of the SAG ceremonies. Um, but also, I'm... I'm kind of not crazy about the SAG. I think they they do give some opportunities for actors who maybe won't get recognized by the Academy. Like, um, I remember one year where Ryan Gosling got nominated for Lars and the Real Girl uh, at the SAGs. And I really I, thought... I thought you were was... about to say La La Land and watch uh, Shaq just go off. Oh! <laughs> <Like>, uh... <laughs> no, because he actually got an Oscar nomination for that one. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> but um, I, I was like, okay, that's cool that they're recognizing some smaller films. But then they'll yeah. often kind of get swayed by political choices like again i'm not going to say that denzel or viola were bad last year and viola deserved to win i thought she deserved to win the oscar but i'm like okay there's a lot of like you know clearly pandering in this case uh and maybe that's just me being biased because i really loved casey affleck that year regardless of his uh allegations it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i feel like the the screen actors guild is a little bit more susceptible to you know to political swaying than a few other category of people but and I think that's true for a lot of precursor categories. They're just trying to get they're trying to get as much attention as they can. They want people to watch their shows, you know. Anyway, moving on from there, we're going to talk about those precursor awards. We've had oh my gosh, one, two, three, seven different ca- um, ceremonies happen, and there's technically an eighth one supposed to happen today with the AFI awards. And if that shows up at any point while we're talking, I will bring it up immediately. But I have not seen anything yet. So, um, first of all, we will talk about. Uh, the Gotham Awards. Now, we talked about the nominations a little bit in the first category, but the film that won this year was Call Me By Your Name. Uh, that's pretty cool. And mm. then... Uh, th- that's... Honestly, Call Me By Your Name, like, is... I'm calling it... Yeah, it's going to be one of the... Like, one of the front runners. absolutely. Oh, I, I totally agree. Like, for, for Best Picture, like, in the first... Like, in... Pr- pretty much for, like, m- the main acting categories and Best Picture... It's got at least a lock in nominations. Well, not only just like, that, because it since... also won the uh, LA Critics Award for Best Film too. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, seen, like I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of good things. Like it's one of those movies that I missed out at, at TIFF, but everyone who who I know who saw it, they fell in love with it like immediately. Mm. Although there's that one joke that I heard that like, oh wait, it's the one with the beach. Much, not not just the beach, but I mean like in terms of just like what the movie is, because it's about like the whole relationship between. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Army Hammer. Army Hammer and uh, um, Timothy, whatever, Shalom- whatever. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. They, 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 yeah, they, they called it. Uh, I think it was someone who put it on like the Children of the Toes group. They called it Moon White, and I died <laughs> laughing. <laughs> you know that is a good point because yeah, it's like gay dramas are really getting a lot of traction with Oscars in the last few years, and hey, they make great movies apparently. So, <laughs> but know, can't, like you can't blame it. 
Yeah, no, I it's great, and it's got such a high pedigree behind it because we already talked about it's um Luca Guadagnino or Chino, how you pronounce it, uh, who's been making a lot of well, he made a big splash with a bigger splash a few years back, hey. um, <laughs> and then also um the film uh, I Am Love, which I know Chris Cox is a humongous fan of that film. He's doing uh, Suspiria next. Yeah, 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 Suspiria, like you pointed out the last recording, um, which I think that film's coming out either next year or the year after. I don't remember uh. which, but um. Uh, yeah, this is really his big, like, you know, third time's the charm where he's starting to get recognized by the Academy. And it doesn't help, I mean, no, it does help, and it doesn't hurt that uh, one of the producers and the head writer is James Ivory, you know, the guy who was really, really big in the 90s and late 80s for stuff like uh, Howard's End, uh, Remains of the Day, you know, lots of big period piece award, you know, award baity dramas. So I'm not terribly shocked, but yeah, it looks like, Call Me By Your Name is kind of becoming a slight frontrunner. I mean, it's still very early on, but yeah. it's, it's currently won the most Best Picture prizes uh, of this ceremony so far. And then also talking uh, National Board of Review, this was, I believe, one of the very first ones, and it kind of took people aback because the film they picked for Best Film was The Post, which it was only surprising because by that point there had been no reviews. Uh, it had barely just screened for critics up to that point. And, yeah, it suddenly like, oh, yeah, it's, it's swept for best film, best actor, best actress, best um, – uh, didn't mean screenplay. But, yeah, it, just, it made this huge impression on people. And now, so have either of you seen this movie yet? No. No, I'm hopefully seeing it next week, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, because I know um, – and I'm not going to talk too much about a few of the critics' opinions who have seen it because, obviously – I think, well, actually, I'm not sure the embargo is still in place for the post yet, but, um... I don't think it is. Okay, well, there, I know... They actually, no, there, no, there's an I think the embargo is gone, because, like, on the Wikipedia page for the post, like, they say, like, the Rotten Tomatoes, like, there is there is a score for it. Okay, well, because I know Chris Cox was one of the few, he's like, I thought it was good, didn't love it completely, and to be fair, um, Slash Film posted up a few of the reviews that have come up so far, and it feels like a lot of people have very similar ideas. Like, it's a very solid movie. It's not Spielberg's best. It's not even the best film of the year, but it's a very solid movie. And I I sense a Bridge of Spies vibe with this one. Where I mean, personally, me, I was the guy who loved Bridge of Spies. But I can see a lot of people are just like, yeah, it's really good. It just wasn't best picture or it wasn't best movie of the year. But, uh, yeah, for a film to come out so late and suddenly get this kind of traction. I mean, and I know why, because... You know, most of the reviews, even if they say it's not their favorite film, they say it's the most important film of the year, you know? And I think that it's going to ride a lot on that wave of getting Oscar recognition for being the important movie this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm just, hey, it's Spielberg, it's Tom Hanks, it's Meryl Streep, and it's a really baity topic. It, it's, it's got a recipe for success in this case. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and then at the New York Film Critics Circle, uh, the film that won Best Film was Lady Bird. Which, nice. Yeah, which I was very surprised, but I know uh, Ian, you've seen this film, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's it's definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely got a, got a, a kind of a nice. Uh, I cannot think of where the sentence is going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, uh, yeah, it, it's better than your average coming of age movie. I think that's where I was going with that. Okay, yeah, no, and that's what I've heard that a lot of people really like. Just just a very personal vibe they get from this film. And, I mean, Greta Gerwig yeah. was going on record just like, no, I swear this is totally not based on my life at all. But when you look Bullshit. at the... Which it is. Yeah, no, you, when you look at the details, you're just like, it, it's very obviously autobiographical in some way. Um, but, you know, in that one, they, you know, a lot of the same people who are emerging as frontrunners or, you know, big contenders got recognition like Timothy Chalamet, Saoirse Ronan, Willem Dafoe, um... Uh, Florida Project got a bit of a boost this week, I thought. It, it took home uh, Best Director Prize at that one. Nice. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Then we yeah. had – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying, um, yeah, no, like, I, I'm cool with that. Like, especially with the Florida Project, I think uh, that Willem Dafoe is – I think he might actually be one of the front – like, one of the two front runners for Best Supporting Actor at the very least. Oh, yeah, and we will talk about that in just a bit because I, I totally agree. But um, the other two um, two big nominations, um, you know, list that came out this week were – oh, boy. Uh, the Los Angeles Film Critic Online um, Society, which is actually different than the, online, uh, the LA Critic Society, but uh, for some reason. But the film that dominated this list, uh, among many, was The Shape of Water. Where, hey. Yeah, that got 11 nominations, and then right behind it was Lady Bird, and then right behind that was Dunkirk. So Nice. That's pretty cool. So I believe, so that means that both of you have seen The Shape of Water then? Uh, yes, I saw, I, saw way, I saw it way back at Tiff, and this is going to be one of those points where, like, at film festival crowds where you kind of realize how annoying they are, kind of, because <laughs> there's a scene that takes place in a theater, and the, when we saw it at the screening was in that very theater, so the moment <laughs> you see it, everyone started applauding, and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> other than that brief moment of just, like, being smug, like, I adore the movie. Like, I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. Uh, so then you hadn't seen yet, Ian, or? Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm seeing it uh, hopefully tonight. Okay, cool. Uh, I know Chris saw it, and I haven't asked him yet about his opinions, because I don't want to, you know, cause any violation of critic stuff. But um, mm-hmm. on that point, uh, I'm really excited to see it, because I know, um, I believe it was Davey Pepper from one of us who also shot it, saw it at TIFF. So uh, he was just glowing raves for that film, too. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's such a wonderful, like, beautiful, magical movie. That just happens to be about a girl fucking a fish, man. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, because when you talk about that smugness, um, there was a bit... Oh, sorry, commercial just played in my ears. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a bit when we went to go see La La Land, to bring it up again. Uh, I went to go see it in Boise with my family, because it was during Christmas break. And sure enough, one of the big jokes in the movie where they're like, hey, I just got a, a, a new gig. Where? Boise, Idaho. And everyone in the theater is just like, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> So we uh, it was like shout out to my peeps in Boise, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but I thought it was interesting in the LA Film Critics Society, uh, the online society, they actually did a few things that are different than most award shows. For one, they distinguished best female directors from best male directors as separate uh, categories. That's weird. Yeah, I yeah. I mean I get it that you know there's so much chance that female directors would not get nominated, but Greta Gerwig is kind of coming out as a front runner in a lot of categories. So yeah, she should. Yeah, and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, on one hand, it's progressive, but on the other hand, it's a little regressive at the same time, I feel. Yeah. You know, the separate but equal, is that's kind of the weird reverse argument we're making, where it's like, no, but see, they would not get recognized if we didn't have a separate category for them. It's like, but... No. <laughs> no, yeah, just nominate, nominate, works. yeah, just nominate the best director when they're the best director. Like, come on, man. Yeah, but one category I noticed that they did actually recognize, and I'm, Mostly okay with this. They actually had um, animated visual effect performance, which was Andy Serkis, Doug Jones, and Dan Stevens. Nice. So, so okay, I mean, that, that one, that's, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that one is like, okay, sure, there's so much, you know, resistance from the Academy with visual effect performers and motion capture that I'm cool with that I'm, I'm, on the whole. Because also you got, you know, at least with um, Doug Jones and um, Andy Serkis, two of the very best in their craft doing that. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... I mean, so I got to ask you, uh, uh, Shaq, about Shape of Water. Compared to Doug Jones' work in, like, Pan's Labyrinth and some of the other Guillermo del Toro films, where does this rank? 
Um, it's I'd say it's very. Uh, I think this might actually be my personal favorite. Like I love Pan. Like I love yeah the Fawn in Pan's Labyrinth. But I think that Doug brings so much more because he because he's technically a, uh, one of the leading characters in Shape of Water. Okay. So I think he brings a lot more, especially emotionally. Like even though he's still like a monster, he's still very able to like emote and still give out like you can still tell how he feels like he cares for uh Sal is Sally Hawkins or yeah yeah okay Sally Hawkins and just I yeah you know he brings so much more to it than he does in his other roles that's awesome no I I love Doug Jones I've even seen him in roles when he's not in makeup which is weird <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah he's, he's a very good um, actor I think he, he's a very good performer uh, on the whole and in fact, if I remember, I think one of his very earliest roles he ever did was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, nice. I'm assuming as just like a regular vampire. Yeah, no, I think he was, um, it was the Silence episodes. He was those creepy guys who were taking the voices from everybody in town, which I'm like, oh. oh okay. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I mean, you couldn't really tell who it is because those freaking giant, you know, masks they were wearing, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really give you any hints of what's under the face. I mean, what's on the face there. But uh, also for Shape of Water carrying that train there, um, the Critics' Choice Awards uh, nominations came out, and Shape of Water dominated that, too, with 14 nominations, which, you know, blew pretty much everyone else out of the water in that one. Hmm. Uh, that's cool. And um, the only ones that were close, there was an eight-nomination race between Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, Lady Bird, and The Post. And then Blade Runner and Three Billboards right behind that. So, hey, they had a pretty... I mean, it helps, too, that Critics' Choice Awards, they have tons of categories that they do for all their um, all their films and TV shows. So, it was bound to get a lot of stuff. But 14, that's pretty impressive. Like, yeah. I'm not even sure what The Shape of Water will... What the win? Yeah, that's that's the weird thing I was thinking about it. I was like, it, look, just looking at, like, the big one, like, the Oscars, I'm thinking it'll get a lot of nominations, but I'm not sure in terms of, like, what will actually win. Like, I know it, if if it wins, it'll be mostly on, like, the production and technical side because it's a beautiful film. Yeah. But in terms of just, like, actually acting, um, I can't really think of any of them that would win. Like, I would like to see Richard Jenkins, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Jenkins win. I would like to see that because he is – I'd say he's the best performance in the film. But, like, in terms of just, like, if he actually wins, it'd be, it'd be a surprise. Well, I think it might, as, as far as uh, when it comes to uh, uh, time for the Oscars, I feel like Shape of Water is going to wind up in the same position that her did a few years ago, where mm -hmm. it'll get a lot of nominations for stuff, and it might win one category, um, but on the whole, be a movie that is you know loved and respected, but maybe a little too weird for a lot of the Academy voters. Yeah, especially um, one bit that they talked about in the movie that you know kind of made some waves um, when they when it came hey. out. Nah, but, <laughs> I'm full of I'm full of puns today. He but, said uh, wave. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's yeah, there's a few things I'm sure that probably the casual voter would be a little creeped out by in that film. Yeah, and I, I don't blame them. It is a movie that is it's still a horror movie, which actually was funny because. Um, I read a story a few weeks back that Guillermo del Toro originally thought that film was supposed to be shot in black and white, and yeah, uh, they yeah. talked him out it, of it. But. You know, it, that would it would totally work. Yeah, well, he yeah he planned on shooting it in black and white, and they basically told him they're like, okay, well, you can if it's black and white, you can make it for sixteen million. If it's color, you can make it for nineteen. He was like, all right, we're making it in color. <laughs> <laughs> Those three, that, that three million dollars really made the difference. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and also saying that's only nineteen million, I, I wouldn't have guessed. It looks more expensive, but that's. I think that just speaks to his craft that he can get that you know that great a visual look for such a small budget. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys that he doesn't 
he 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 can he can you know kind of get in there and get out you know and make a movie really fast and not have to spend a lot of time waste a lot of money you know to kind of achieve what he wants. Yeah, kind of like this also the Grimm, again, but... it, it helps that he's shooting it in Toronto and our dollar is shit right now, so it's noticeably cheaper. There is also that. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but hey, I mean, if if it takes shooting in Canada to make a good movie, then I I support it. So. <laughs> But um, I mean, you can it, like it does, but then we also get stuff like Suicide Squad, and then you go, ugh. Not true. Hey man, hey man, Toronto's just a sucker for pain. <laughs> yeah, the, shut the. F- you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not even gonna dignify that with a response. <laughs> yes. Okay, so then one last category, and I saved this for last because I mean this one isn't. It's the Annie Awards, so it's for animated films, animated TV shows, and that stuff. And this only has impact to one major category. But this is also relevant because, uh, Ian, remember when I talked about the fact that I think that the Academy's rule where they're going to try to open up the animated category might lean more towards American-made products? Mm-hmm. Well, look at the list here. For Best Animated Feature, what are the five films nominated? Well, sorry, let me see here. Uh, sorry, I can read it then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I, I had the Google I'm trying to lean into something here, but notice. Captain America, uh, no, not Captain America. Gosh. Uh, Captain <laughs> Under... <laughs> Captain Underpants, the first epic movie, Cars 3, Coco, Despicable Me 3, and The Boss Baby. Now, what do you notice those three, uh, those five movies? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of them aren't very good, except for Coco. <laughs> well, okay, other than not being very good, they're yeah, all made well, by they're, they're all, Yeah, they're all big, yeah, big mainstream animated movies, which, you know, generally with, you know, year after year, how these, these categories go... There'll be like three or four mainstream movies, and then one or two really weird random animated movies that you haven't heard from at all before, you know, yeah. before they got nominated. Well, it's interesting because now I noticed this uh, separate but equal idea. The category right below that is Best Animated Feature Independent, and all the films there are foreign films. So, are you okay Even there? Though, <laughs> honestly, oh, yeah, that, that was me holding back honestly, laughter. Your name, wait, was your name last year or this year? I think that was this year. Yeah, I think it technically came out in Japan last year, but its American release was this year. So okay, so so it can't it can't get nominated for the Annie or whatever for this year. Yes, which I believe um, we had a question asked about that by I forget the name now. I'm gonna pull it up, but we did someone did ask is like is your name eligible this year for the animated film category? And I, I don't think it is, unfortunately. I think that because of that weird nebulous like, you know, oh it came out technically a year ago and it came out this year for America, but then again. I mean, gosh, what is it? Um, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's *The Wind Rises* technically came out a year before, but then it came out for America and was eligible for a release. Uh, for a I, I, I just find it hilarious that uh, Olaf's *Frozen Adventure* is up for an award the same week that it gets pulled from theaters. <laughs> yeah. That really just warms my heart. You know, and that's the sad thing. Is like, look, I'm sure that movie is fine, but to start, you know. When you put a short film in front of a feature film, most people are not expecting 22-minute-long epics. Yeah, well, that's you know? the thing. Yeah, you, you put a short in front of a Pixar movie, I'm expecting five, maybe ten minutes. I'm not expecting, like, a 25-minute TV special to play in front of my movie. Yeah, and I think that was a huge miscalculation on Disney's part. Because, like, look, people like Frozen. They don't like Frozen that much. <laughs> you know? Not when they're going to go Here's see Coco. I hate Frozen. I'm, I'm, again, one of those people who fucking hates Frozen. So when I was sitting there for Olaf's adventure, I was just miserable. Aww. Especially compounded <laughs> with, like, screaming kids in surround sound who are all confused. Like, how long is this thing going to take? And I'm just like, yeah, it's we're here for the long haul. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I... <laughs> 
I, I, I can see where that could be a bit of an issue. And I, I think Frozen's overrated. I didn't hate it so much. But, yeah, I'm uh, not crazy about the film. Okay, and then I actually just did pull up the animated feature shortlist. Uh, and, unfortunately, your name is not on here. So uh, Yeah, I guess it... <laughs> Captain <laughs> Underpants it is. Well, that's the funny thing. All these films nominated on here are on the short list, including Captain Underpants. So they are eligible for nominations, but your name, a critically acclaimed international hit and box office smash, is not eligible for that category. So that that just blows my mind. Um, yeah. yeah. Although they did also note that there's the animated short film uh, short list that just came out, uh, which includes a Kobe Bryant short animated feature. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you have basketball? Yeah. Yeah, where I think he was one of the writers who wrote the film. So I gotta just, see this. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by that. I did, I just popped up. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that was a thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun updating my uh, predictions list with this stuff on it. <laughs> but so that that is, I mean, again, any awards they're kind of in their own field. Sometimes the people who win they uh, get considered for the main animated features, but. You know, usually the people who win are the ones who are going to win anyways, like uh, Coco. I'm sure that's going to win Best Feature. Uh, I'm glad that you caught yourself and before you said Despicable Me 3, because I would have hung up right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm scared, though, that Despicable, Despicable 3, uh, that film might get nominated for this year, because, no. look, uh. I, I, will, I will say this. I thought the second film was okay. I was, oh not, I was not angry it got nominated, but I am very happy it did not win. All right, if you excuse me, I'm going to go put on my heaviest robe and walk off into the ocean now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like any of these, man. Like, the, these Despicable Me movies are, like, to me, the epitome of, like, mediocre entertainment. I don't disagree. I don't think they're great movies. I just thought the second one was more tolerable than the first or the third film. Yeah, so. you know, getting punched in the face is slightly better than getting kicked in the balls. Yeah, it doesn't hurt as long, I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you can ride that wave a lot better, yeah. Uh, waves. He said wave. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. But, um, yeah, so uh, that is a lot that we just covered here with a lot of these critic circles. So I want to ask then, as we talked about in our um, itinerary here, we're, I want to talk about who do we feel won or lost the most buzz because of these circles so far. So, mm. um Shaq, I want to start with you since you're the new guy here. Uh, who, um, who do you think, like, first of all, who do you think got the most um, buzz and most acclaim for this this uh, last two weeks? The, out of the past two weeks, it's 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 Ladybird's game, man. Like, even though I was like I wasn't in love with the film as much as everyone else, but I still see I still see all the merit, and it deserve. I believe it does deserve all the attention that it's getting, and it's racking up awards and noms like crazy. And I'm pleasantly surprised that Shape of Water is getting is getting so many nominations. I'm just thinking it's not gonna win most of them. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. But I think, but at the, at the very least, I think it's it's a two horse race right now. At least in terms of early front runners between Call Me by Your Name and Lady Bird. Yeah, no, and actually I agree too. I think Call Me by Your Name is probably. You know, so far they've won the most Best Picture prizes, but that's also only two. So it's still too early to say, yeah, this is going to be the frontrunner for Best Picture. But it's definitely making its case, and so is Lady Bird, with having some very high-profile wins in that case. Um, uh, any other ones, though, would you say were, like, the big, like, gained the most attention this week? Um, I'm happy that Get Out is get is still staying long enough in the conversation for it to actually nab some awards. Like, I know it, it grabbed, uh, it actually grabbed the most honors at, uh, at the Gotham Awards, so I'm happy that it's still 
that is that the momentum is stayed long enough to where I'm hoping that it'll get a big enough Oscar push. Yeah, no, I think because uh, actually has won a couple other prizes too. If I remember, it won a director prize and a screenplay prize or two uh, out mm-hmm. of these ones so far. And so, and th- that was my early fate. Like that one is my own personal horse for the like the whole thing. Like I w- I would love it if it won. Oh, cool! No, that, that would be amazing. Because uh, I mean, and again, I was still I remember talking to Ian about this, but I was just a little shocked. Like. Get Out's going to be a Best Picture candidate? But uh, <laughs> after that shock uh, I mean, of the realization, I kind of kind of thought about it. I'm like, okay, sure. I, I would not be angry if we got a Best Picture nomination. In fact, that would be kind of awesome for a first-time movie made on such a small budget to get a Best Picture nod. Let alone one made by Jordan Peele. Yeah. <laughs> by fucking Mad TV's Jordan Peele. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, and I've, I've said this to a few people over. I'm not crazy about Key and Peele as a comedy show. I like some of their skits, but I feel like it's part of a problem where they beat a joke into the ground like most skit shows do. You know, it's like, Saturday Live, for every good joke they have, they have, like, five skits that suck that same night. But I think that having seen them out of Key and Peele and doing other stuff, like acting or creative uh, creative uh, projects, Peele really has some talent. This guy, oh, yeah. yeah, he's a really, really talented dude. Even um, even seeing his short appearance on Fargo when he was on that first season, I thought he was – him and, and uh, Key were both really great on it. And I, I'm just so happy to see them get this kind of love. Um, but any other ones do you feel like really big um, gets or really big uh, pushes this uh, this last few weeks? Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. Um, I don't think there's aside from like those three, I don't really know if any other ones are getting that at least that big. Actually, Disaster Artist, that one has gotten a surprising amount of push at least in terms of just like attention and potential nominations and war- and like actual awards. So it's good to see it, but like it's one where I would go, all right, I guess, but I'm not against, I'm not totally against it. Yeah, it's starting to fit into the you know that very delicate spot on my list where it's like it's just likely to be pushed out, but it's not going to be just yet. But yeah, James Franco is definitely going to get nominated. Like oh, that that is he's again a lock. Yeah, maybe I, the actual number one front runner. Because <laughs> I think, um, if I remember, he won the Best Actor prize at the Gotham Awards. So there's at least one win under the movie's belt for Best Actor so far. Um, but anyway, so then uh, Ian, if uh, there's any other ones you want to mention, Shaq, but uh, what do you think really got the best um, attention this week? Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, going back to what Shaq was saying, Lady Bird really is sort of quickly gaining momentum. Um, and the the post as well. I'm kind of curious to see how that and uh, with Phantom Thread coming out here in a couple weeks, how those two kind of late in the game uh, entries in the race are going to kind of affect things. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, Danny Day-Lewis, that's a, a lock as well for at least a nomination. Uh, how, how crazy would that be if if James Franco playing Tommy Wiseau beat Daniel Day-Lewis in a yeah. movie? <laughs> in, a, in, like, his final role? Yo, that, that would be the weirdest fucking situation. And you know Tommy Wiseau would be there if that happened. And, it, it, oh, oh, man, it'd be great. I just want to see... get a Tommy Wiseau Oscar speech if that happens. That oh, yeah. That would be magical. I just want to see, like, a super cut where someone plays a really dramatic scene from Phantom Thread and you cut in James Franco just doing the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just cr- cross cut like there the the milkshake scene with there will be blood, and then the scotchka scene from the room. <laughs> um, oh, but man. but yeah yeah I'm I'm really curious to see kind of how those late uh, those those two kind of late in the game entries are going to affect things. Um, but yeah yeah again like a get out you know still kind of got some momentum. Um, we kind of talked about it last episode, but you you can definitely other than Willem Dafoe. 
you can kind of see the momentum starting to die off of Florida Project a little bit. Uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of in the middle, I think. Like in a certain in Best Picture, it's it's talk is kind of going down. Yeah. But then uh, winning director, and then especially Willem Dafoe winning, it's got a, it's kind of like just hanging in there barely. Yeah, yeah, it might, yeah, and it might get some, yeah, some performance stuff, or maybe you know a nod for cinematography. But I feel like as far as Best Picture goes, uh, that ship might have already sailed. But yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're kind of. Even though we have more stuff out, we're in a weird way kind of back to where we were last week, where there's still no clear front runner really. Yeah, I mean, there's no clear front runner, but I feel like it's shaping up a little bit where there's a few horses in the race now. Like some definitely, of, you know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, unless you have any other ones, I'll just move on to or. No, no, that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, because actually, I... actually, there's one. Actually, there's there's one award that I was really surprised by, but I'm like pleasantly surprised was uh during the New York Film Critics Circle Awards how Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip got Best Supporting Actress, which was a left field turn, but I think she was great enough to where I can go like, you know what, I see it. And you know what, I was actually just gonna bring that one up too because uh, I was shocked out of nowhere that she's getting tons of nominations and then a win. Yeah, I'm just like. Okay, Girls Trip, I know, is a movie that people liked, but could this be the Bridesmaid year thing where, like, you know, out of everything, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaid, she became an Oscar-nominated candidate. But the thing, it's one of those things where, like, I came, like, I remember when I went to go see it, I came in with just, like, uh, like, if anything, I'll probably have a few laughs, but it's, it probably won't be for me. But I came out that it still might actually be the funniest thing I've seen this year. Wow! And it is it is completely Tiffany Haddish's movie. Like every scene she's in, she like she's throwing jokes like a mile a minute, and most of them actually land. Like I want to say like a good like eighty five to ninety percent of them are really fucking funny. Okay. And so I could see so for like awarding a comedic performance, I think she is absolutely probably like, the best one. Awesome. Um, was she the one who had the whole big booty hole thing from the trailer? Or yeah, okay, yeah, that, that it's a booty hole. Like, even though I don't like that joke, but she has so many other great ones. Like, they make a reference to the grapefruiting thing, and she goes oh. all in on it and is fucking hysterical. Oh my gosh! I finally just saw that grapefruiting thing like a few weeks ago. I'm just like, why? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think. And I, mean, I suspect a little bit of it is also trying to get a more diverse field, because honestly, the big frontrunners they've been pushing up for supporting actress like um, what's her name, uh, Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird, uh, Allison mm-hmm. Janney for I Tanya. It's a very white category right now, and I wouldn't be upset if they did actually have someone like say Tiffany Haddish. And for a film that is, you know, we were complaining about them, you know, the argument of why can't we get more commercial hits in the Oscars. Uh, get a, a girl strip actually did make quite a bit of money and it was fairly popular with a lot of people so that could be really cool to suddenly see this you know rising comedic talent come up and get an oscar nomination in that case exactly um, yeah but then i had couldn't, few... have, couldn't have put it better myself <laughs> that's why i'm the host but <laughs> <laughs> but um there's a few uh, select people i mean because we already talked the big ones you know comment by your name got a huge boost this week uh shape of water got a huge boost for nominations at least um the post Willem defoe uh, Timothy Chalamet, I'm pretty sure he's now, you know, a leading candidate along with D- James Franco because he's been getting lots of recognition for being like, you know, breakout young performer, lots of nominations for best actor. Uh, you know, for a guy who I really knew nothing about until this year, uh, that's a pretty good, you know, debut for in his case. And uh, the th- he hitched himself to the two top picks. <laughs> so, like, yeah, no, he, he, he got his way in to, like, from, like, relative obscurity to, like, 
I'm in the two number like the two top picks for the for like major awards right now. So yeah, come at me. Some people have good timing. I mean, uh, well, I remember John C. Riley. Even though he was around before 2002, that was his huge year where he was in three of the five best pitcher candidates that year with Chicago, Gangs New York, and um, the Hours. We're <laughs> just like, wow. <laughs> but yeah, um, but then one person who I noticed, uh, Phantom Thread is still kind of in a middle ground for me too because. Danny Day-Lewis, obviously, you know, it's a safe bet to nominate him for Best Actor. And then Screenplay, it's actually won a couple Screenplay plot prizes, but I can already sense from Double Toasted that they're not huge fans of that movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Martin kind of alluded to the facts of that, but we'll see. They haven't reviewed it yet. But mm-hmm. um, the one person who's getting a lot of recognition lately is Johnny Greenwood for the score for Phantom Yeah. Because I know um, his score in Inherent Vice was not all that impressive, I thought, even though I loved his scores in The Master and There Will Be Blood. But, yeah, I mean, that would be awesome to see him in like, actually get a nomination this time. Because I think he's a really, really good uh, movie, uh, you know, film composer in the, uh, for most cases. I mean, because uh, have you listened to the, uh, those scores, uh, like, even out of the movie for, those, uh, for any of his films? I mean, I haven't, but that's just because those scores are so unnerving. <laughs> They're the types of music <laughs> that I wouldn't want to listen to by themselves. But I, I do really like his work in, in, in all the, in the Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Yeah, I know he does great, you know, from his Dane's Radiohead, too. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jack. You've you've never gone for a run, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to put the There Will Be Blood soundtrack and just go on a morning jog. No, no. The most foreboding run I've ever been on. Yeah, I mean, mean, if if I want to go on a bad drug trip, I might, like, listen to the Inherent Vice soundtrack, but no. Uh... (laughs) You know, it's sad, though, too, because I listen to the Master soundtrack every now and then just for, like, putting on some really interesting offbeat music. But the weird thing is the one big track that I remember from that, the one that was in the trailer that, doom, you know, kind of song that, that he has there. Yeah, it's for some reason that's really stupid. They edited in audio clips from Joaquin Phoenix in certain scenes in that. Wow. Oh. And it's like I just want to listen to the music. I want to hear Joaquin Phoenix's rambling monologues during this thing. It's it's really distracting, and I can't find a track without it in it. So, yeah, it's, that was that was a bit unnerving. But I really want to hear this soundtrack from Phantom Thread because I mean, again, Johnny Greenwood, he really does great work, and I I think it's just awesome. But, um, and then Tiffany Haddish was really the last one I had uh, for, you know, surprise winners and people who really, you know, got a lot of buzz this week. People who lost a little bit, though, I think Free Billboards is starting to lose a little traction for Best Picture. I mean, it shouldn't, from what I hear that everyone's saying, it's really, really good. Yeah. But I think, I still think it's going to get nominated, but I think it's buzz as being a lead contender is starting to be a little bit affected. Uh, yeah, I think Lady Bird kind of stole its thunder. Yeah, and, you know, sure, hey, if Lady Bird is as great as it is, and I'm hoping to see it this weekend, because one of my friends like, I've not seen any Oscar movies this year, and I'm like, me neither, let's go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that one, I think, if, if it deserves to get nominated for this picture, then sure, I will be the flag waver behind it. Um, and then the other person, I mean, the other film, I think it's really going to get hurt, and we alluded to this in the first podcast, but I think Mudbound is pretty much out of the race for any lead categories, except yeah. for supporting actors. Uh, supporting actress, I think it's got a shot for Mary J. Blige because, again, with such a low diversity ratio in the race, I think they really want to push her for a nomination in that case. But I don't think Mudbound's going to get any love, and it's not really getting like it's got all good reviews, but no one's been saying best film of the year outside of a couple people. Yeah, I, I, I can see, I can see that. Like, yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, Mary J. Blige, she has a high chance of getting like the best supporting actress nom. I think maybe also some like production stuff. Because it like it, it's one of those movies that again it's beautiful, so I could see it getting like a maybe like a best cinematography. Uh, yeah, because it, it it won that prize at the uh, New York Film Critics Circle. So mm-hmm. 
So like I could I could see those, but like in terms of yeah, other major stuff, probably not. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really see it. Although I will also uh, eat a little bit of crow saying. I'm pretty sure Blade Runner probably won't get a Best Picture nomination, but I'm still uh, going to be in denial. I'm still going to be in denial until it actually happens. But Yeah. But actually, you know, there's one movie that I'm surprised and not surprised at the same time that's got not getting any attention. Period is Mother. <laughs> because it is I like I like that movie and I use it in quotation marks, but it's one of those things that's like it's such a split reaction kind of thing that there's no way it's going to get any major attention yeah there's yeah. no shot there's well, no shot for that film yeah that, that's one of those movies i respect what it was going for and i'm glad it exists that being said i couldn't stand it <laughs> oh i i don't blame you like it's one of those things are like i wish i saw it with a regular crowd because i saw it at the festival like a couple days before oh, dude. And, was, and we were we were all so confused but we kind of liked it but i wish i saw it with a regular crowd who just went like what the Fuck. Oh, see, and I did see it with a regular crowd, and that experience was great. Because <laughs> I thought they were going to burn the theater down when that movie was over. Oh, man. Oh, when when that crack happens, oh, I won't say what it is, God. but like, when you hear that crack. Yeah. Oh, oh man. man. It's it's a lot. <laughs> I I really, really wish I had seen it now. I really, because I, I... Uh, I think I'm sure people are getting this impression that I just don't really watch movies at all. I swear I do go out to watch movies. It's just that one I was. I'm like, look, I'm gonna wait till Redbox it because I have to see it by myself. I don't think I could see it in a theater. <laughs> oh no, seeing it in the theater is a magical experience. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I can't wait. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all. It's getting no love except from David Ehrlich, who, uh, you know. For people who don't know, he's a big film critic out there, and I don't always agree with his opinions, but he makes some of the very best end-of-the-year countdown list of anyone. Go look at the video for 2017 Best of the Year by David Ehrlich. It's really, really impressive. But he put Mother as, like, his number 20, 20-ish film or something like that. I'm just like, okay, sure. He He's that guy who would love it. I could already say that. I, yeah, no, I still, I still got to reorganize my own best of list. And, like... I know, I, last time I checked, I think Mother was in the top 20, but, like, I'm not sure where it'll fit still. <laughs> well, I still, have a, I still have a couple other things I still, I still have to see. Like, obviously, Star Wars is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, some of the Oscar stuff that I missed out on. So, like, yeah, call me by your name. So I'm, I'm wondering where it'll end up when it's all said and done. I'm just curious if I can find a theater that'll still play Call Me By Your Name. Because did it get... I mean, he already got a limited release early on, but I don't know if it's going to expand anywhere else, except yeah. for maybe oh, a yeah. close... very limited release. Yeah, oh, no, it's... it's Yeah, I think it's about to expand. Because um, I think it's been in very limited release the last, like, two or three weeks. Yeah. But I think now they're going to do kind of the big awards push and start to kind of open it up in more cities. Okay, okay, yeah, so... I mean, hopefully Idaho gets to get the screening because we do have an indie theater there, believe it or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be very interested to see that film, and I'm sure it'll be a film that I have to see alone because I did that with Moonlight because I don't know any of my family or friends who wanted to go see Moonlight with me. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's just it's not their movie, I, and I, I accept that. Mm-hmm. But uh, even seeing Moonlight alone, I'm like ah no, I, it was a really enjoy- enjoyable experience. I saw it in a theater of like five people, and we all had a lot of good <laughs> we all had a good time watching it. <laughs> but um, on that note. Um, were there any other big losers that you guys felt really got hurt by this cycle? Um, Shaq, what about you? Just off the top, yeah, uh, not really any I could think of. Um, I was hoping, I was hoping for a little bit more Logan love, even though it was unlikely. But I was still hoping for a bit more, at least more attention. Yeah. Like especially with Patrick Stewart. 
uh, and he did get one nomination um, during one of the one of the awards here. So yeah, I, I like I yeah that that was that was great to see. But it's one thing like I really want them to kind of make that push to like push the superhero genre forward because it does so many just like risk-taking things that it pays off so well in that I would like to see it get more recognized by like Academy and like uh, various like film critic circles while well, they're putting it in their top lists but in terms of actual performances and stuff I'm not seeing enough yeah no I agree and I it is sad that superhero films are kind of viewed as lesser but I mean again academies are not friendly to the genre on the whole but uh, wouldn't it be great if they did like a Lord of the Rings thing where it's like, okay, Infinity War blew everyone's mind, and as a recognition for all the work you've done, we'll nominate it for Best Picture. <laughs> that gets that Return of the King nomination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sweeps all the categories because it's just that impressive. But um, I, w- I wouldn't be against it. Hey, I wouldn't be either. And <laughs> I saw a joke on Facebook recently where they showed images of Civil War versus Infinity War. It's like, hey, look, they learned how to color, color correct for their images. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, when I saw, I looked back, it's like, yeah, I will not disagree with the idea that Marvel doesn't really know how to shoot really colorful photography in terms of, like, really artistic style, but it does look really good in Infinity War. Just can't wait. But, um, Ian, any uh, people that you thought maybe got hurt a little bit by this early cycle? Um, yeah, I think it, honestly, what we were talking about earlier with Blade Runner, like, <laughs> really... It bums me out, but yeah, I don't think Blade Runner is really going to get anything other than, you know, some technical stuff, which really makes me sad, man. It really does. Me too. It really does. I mean, although yeah. I did notice that one category it did get a push in, uh, production design. I mean, I know it's not, uh. it's, a, it's, a consolida- it's a consolation prize, but it may be actually a candidate for more than one category than, like, visual effects. Uh, yeah, or- well, and, and hopefully cinematography as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing. It has been beat out in a couple prizes, but more often than not, it's been either on the runners-up or winning a lot of these awards. So yeah. if, Roger De- if Roger Deakins does not win this year, I swear to God, man. I, I See, know. here's the thing. I, I would have I said that, and I'd be like, well, any other year, this would be his year, but I feel like Dunkirk, he's got some real competition uh, with well, yeah. Dunkirk. But then the one film he got beat out by this year was Mudbound, too, which was... Oh, get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, seriously. Yeah, look, look, yeah, okay, the, look. Mudbound, Mudbound's a really good-looking movie, but come on. Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 Even just watching the trailers, I'm just like, it's good cinematography. I don't know if it's better than Dunkirk or Blade Runner. No, so. it's not. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> but that does mean that maybe Mudbound will slip into that fifth spot, because I know um, one film that's been kind of on... The, teetering on that one was um not wonder wheel but wonderstruck uh that mm. one the new todd hates film yeah. and to be fair that's a gorgeous looking movie just from the trailers but no one seems to be in love with that movie so i think it's going to be a hard fight for between that and mudbound for the fifth slot then but um on that note then uh before we start to wrap up i did have my one little fun category i wanted to do just hey, just, hey. just to help uh you know boost talk about previous awards previews that kind of stuff I have uh, personal Oscar favorites uh, as an idea. So here I gave the um, I gave the um, the uh, prompt to you guys. Your three favorite best actor and or best actress winners of the last decade. So, uh, Shaq, were you able to prepare for this one? Um. Yes, and we're talking like up to two thousand seven, right? Yes. Yeah. So two thousand seven, okay. two thousand seven and past. So, like honestly, looking at the list. I realize that there's a lot more that I don't like than the ones that I do. So (laughs) for at least for best actor, I was only able to come up with two. And the first one is Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood because holy shit, he fucking owns that movie. Oh, yeah. And the second one was uh, was, uh, 
was Leo because the memes ended. <laughs> so Leo and the Revenant. But yeah, like the, the I was really really angry that Casey Affleck won last year because I loved Denzel so much in Fences ah. that like when he won, I was like, come on, man, like again. And see, unlike Ian, I will not fight you because I at least somewhat agree with that. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no. Looking at like a lot of the nominees, at least for Best Actor within the past decade, have been like most of my favorite performances are the ones that never that didn't win. So like, uh, twenty ten was the one that I was the most pissed off by because it was Colin Firth in the King speech, Gah. and it beat Jesse Eisenberg in Social Network, James Franco in one hundred twenty seven hours, and Jeff Bridges in True Grit, and those three I thought were like fucking masterful performances, and it gets the and the very super Oscar Beatty British film is the one that wins. I was like, fuck off. I mean, I again, I don't fully disagree. I, I really did like Colin Firth in that role, but that was a very stiff competition that year. So, but I mean, um, and then I guess were there any other like nominees since you weren't as big on winners, like any of the nominees yeah. that you felt were really big that you really liked? Oh yeah, uh, um, Michael Keaton and Birdman should have won. And I agree. Honestly, I think Eddie Redmayne winning for Theory of Everything put him on my shit list for life. <laughs> well, because... it, it didn't help that Jupiter Ascending came out like three months later. Oh, exactly. And then he tried to go for the Danish girl after. I was like, you know what? This dude just doing Oscar Beatty shit, and he's pissing me off. Well, now he's coming back for Harry Potter for the next uh, Fantastic Beast sequel. So. I haven't even watched the first one because I don't like him that much. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's all right in Fantastic Beasts. You're not missing much like, if you didn't see it. I don't, but... I, like, I don't think he's a bad actor. He's just one of those people that you just irrationally hate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of uh, best actress... Um, it was another case where it's not as, like, vicious, like, I don't like these people, but it's, it's a lot of films that I haven't seen, or the ones that I've seen I wasn't crazy on. So, like, the two that I came up with that I did like a lot mm-hmm. were Brie Larson in Room. Yes. And, uh, Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. I totally agree. Like, those, like I thought those two were fantastic. Um... Obviously, I'm not. I'm not gonna say a single word about La La Land because I already made my feelings I'm clear. I'm staring at your icon on Skype right now with a, a look of venom and hate in my eyes. <laughs> Don't you say um, a damn thing. <laughs> um, uh, I w- like while I thought Black Swan was alright, is one of those movies that I thought was very much overrated to me. But I th- I thought Natalie Portman was good, but I liked Michelle Williams and Blue Valentine a lot more. Hmm. Um. And Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. <laughs> Sandra Bullock in her pet black man. There's no other words that need to be said. <laughs> the black side. But, uh... yeah, God. <laughs> Just fuck that movie, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like a horrible person who was saying this, too. I don't hate The Blind Side. I get every bit of criticism towards that because it's just it's the same problem with The Help, where it's like, The Help yeah. is a really good story, but it is that story. But exactly. But and I thought Sandra Bullock—that's probably one of her better performances she ever did. But she was also up against uh, Gabrielle Sidibe that year for Precious, and who I thought should have won it, or either it was either her or Meryl, Meryl Streep. Yeah, no, because even Julian Julia, I wasn't crazy about that film, but Meryl Streep in Julian Julia was fantastic for, uh, for that film. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, those, those. So yeah, I've only. I'm upset that I only came up with two for each, but that's yeah, just how it goes. No, I, <laughs> I don't blame you. Else. I. I had, a, I had to scratch my head about my own challenge, too. I'm like, hmm, yeah. But, uh, Ian, what did you pick? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm kind of in the same boat where a lot of the stuff that won um, in these categories I'm not crazy about. 
And uh, a lot of the performances that were nominated were the ones that I thought that year should have won. You know, like like looking at, you know, Leo winning for The Revenant. I think Leo, it's a great performance in The Revenant, but I feel like he should have won, if if anything, in the, within that, you know, 10-year cycle or whatever. If he should have won for anything, it would have been Wolf of Wall Street. Because I think yep, that, that's absolutely. just like, the, like this tour de force performance of just him, like, cutting loose and losing his mind. And saying really nasty things. And and just doing <laughs> the most vile and, uh, like, disgusting things, but you can't turn away. Because, <laughs> because it's... Well, that's, that's the thing, is, like, with that movie especially, it's a character that I would find repugnant and I wouldn't want to watch, but the fact that it's Leo, he, he, he makes that character so charming and so charismatic that you're like, yeah, this guy's a horrible person, but I, I'm, we're just having fun. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, like him, you know, obviously, you know, Danny Day Lewis for both Lincoln and uh, and uh, There Will Be Blood. Um, but yeah, again, a lot of like, a lot of the you know the the actors who were nominated. Uh, I thought you know, um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for Twelve Years a Slave, Michael Keaton for Birdman. Um, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg's Social Network that the the year that came out, you know, um, and it's kind of the same in the the actress category, like. Yeah, Sandra Bullock won for Blindside, but I feel like if she should have won for anything, it would have been Gravity, but she didn't. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think no, she didn't even get nominated, did she? No, 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 she I, got I she got nominated. Yeah, she got nominated. Okay, yeah, 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 because that was the year that um, uh, Kate uh, Blanchett. Yes, that's when she won. So oh, okay, yeah, which I haven't seen, so I can't really criticize that one. Okay. Uh, I feel the same way about that that I do with a lot of these. Is she's really good in it, but she should have won for something else a different year. Well, and she did. She won for uh, the Aviator way back in the day. So that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> or no, 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 no. She, she did. She won for Aviator. Yeah. No, she won Best Supporting Actress for that year. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I feel like it's you know in both categories, it's a lot of that of the stuff that does win, even if they're actors that are deserving, they're deserving for different years, and that year is more of a makeup, and yeah. you know, and and that specific year, it's the people who are nominated who really deserve to win, but that's just sort of the way things go with these. Yeah, I mean, and I, that's historically been a problem with the Oscars, where they give those late recognitions, because, like, what, freaking uh, Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. We yep. could have won for any of the other movies he got nominated for. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, that's, that's, I don't know if uh, if either of you guys have been watching uh, on Netflix, uh, She's Gotta Have It, the, the Spike Lee show. I hear it's I've great. been meaning to. Oh, yeah, it's really good, but there's a whole scene in the first episode where they talk about that, where they're like... Where, where they talk about how, like, uh, uh, Denzel should have won for Malcolm X, and then one of the characters is like, okay, but technically the reason why Al Pacino won is because they were being dumbasses in the 70s and never gave it to him back then. <laughs> so then when the 90s rolled around, they gave they, they finally decided to give it to him in the 90s rather than give it to Denzel, who then got it in Training Day, but he should have won both Oscars and not just one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not disagree at all, and I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's awesome. Okay, now I need to see she's got to have it. But um, uh, one thing I thought was, I mean, and that's even funnier, the fact that Spike Lee also did direct Malcolm X, so he's oh yeah, <laughs> convincing about his own movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a very wow. a, a very hilarious kind of meta moment. Yeah, where, where you think it's going to go one way into him like attacking the Academy, and then he he lays out this very rational. Well, you see, it's because Pacino was nominated for this, and he didn't get this, and this happened, and that happened, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that just that just crossed my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, he did make that. So there we go. But okay, that, that's amazing. But and um, when I'm going into mine, I kind of agree with you guys on the whole. When I was looking through the list, I'm like, there's some of these I really like, and then some of these I'm like, 
I wouldn't have voted for that person at all. In fact, there was a couple where I'm like, that person was my least favorite person to win that year. Uh, and you know, and the sad thing was, there's a couple of them where I'm like, look, Julianne Moore for Best Actress, she only does, again, as Al Pacino thing, like, she should have won for earlier Oscar movies, and she's good in Still Alice, but Still Alice is just such a very Hallmark Channel movie, you know? It's just so overwrought, so simplified, and she's the one thing that's really tremendous about it. Um, actually, yeah. her and Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart was really good in that movie. But then it's like, yeah, my favorite performance that year of anyone was um, Marion Cotillard for uh, Two Days and One Night, which, I don't know, have you guys, have you guys seen that film? No. I have not. Oh, the Dardan brothers just make fantastic movies. Uh, they did that. They did um, The Sun, I think, a few years back. Uh, they've done these really great small, you know, small Eastern European indie dramas. Uh, and I totally recommend it. She steals the show. I mean, I mean it's her movie, but she she's just so great in that film. Uh, and then also Rosamund Pike and Gone Girl probably should have gotten better traction that year. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, you know, she she absolutely should have won that year. That Huh. I got. I had trust issues for two weeks after I saw that fucking movie. <laughs> and I think I believe I was dating somebody at that time too. So yes, I did as well. But <laughs> did you wait? Did you see it with them? No, thankfully. But oh my god. Okay. Actually, I, I don't remember now. Oh, hmm. <laughs> I need to rethink my. I need to rethink the last few years of my life with that. But um, <laughs> when I was going down the list for best actors, uh, you know, mostly I had a lot of crossover with you guys, where I think that Danny Day Lewis, where both There Will Be Blood and Lincoln were great and well deserving wins because. You know, There Will Be Blood, I mean, I think that's one of the best performances in the last decade. You know, more or less just best film that, I mean, best acting win that year. Because Daniel Lewis, he's just so magnetic in that movie. He's so charismatic for being the villain, essentially, of that story. You know? It's, he's just really good at playing just nasty dudes. But then Lincoln was the fun inverse of that where he plays, you know, the guy we've, you know, idolized as just the virtue of goodness in American politics. Um, and he embodied that in a way that was humanizing. And the, and the weird thing was, like, you think a movie about Lincoln's just going to go tell you, like, Lincoln is just the most amazing person ever. And it, it mostly does that, but they found ways to show very human elements of his greatness. Like, he's not just great because he's just good at everything, but he's he's very shrewd, he's very cunning, he's very soft-spoken. I think it just really showed the great range that Lewis is able to communicate. Uh, and I think I think Lincoln's a great film overall, too. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, and I and that's the thing is like when people are, they kind of give that same critique with like British Spy, just like yeah, Lincoln's good, not great. But I'm like, no, I I don't fully agree with that. I think that well, it's a movie that's made for grown-ups, which I like about yeah. this this phase of Spielberg's career is that with a few exceptions, he likes to make movies for grown-ups, not dirty, not gross, but for thinking grown-up adults. I, well, I and I think it's I think it's also that thing where it's like yeah, it might not be as great as a Raiders of the Lost Ark or a Schindler's List, but merely very good for Spielberg is still better than ninety percent of the other movies that are out there. Oh, I told you. So what y'all are what y'all are saying is that I need to have an AARP account to enjoy this film. <laughs> uh, hey, I, uh, yes, I, actually, you do. Yeah, I, I had I had a nice <laughs> glass of prune juice with me when I saw Bridge of Spies, and I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I had some Metamucil with you. Yeah, some Metamucil. Yeah, I have my I, I brought my life alert with me as well, just in case I fell down the aisles walking to and from my seat. Well, hey, AARP magazine is the most subscribed magazine in the country, so I wouldn't be against this. <laughs> 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 that's that's our next goal. We're gonna to try to get double toasted in one of us on the cover of AARP magazine. <laughs> try to get a cover story. I mean, we, we, we got we got Martin, so we're already we got we got an in right there. We got we got that market. Yeah, okay. the new, Martin Tom is the new sex symbol. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that Paisley that Paisley sex symbol. 
what he's been the old man on that si- on double toasted and spill for the last 10 years so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy i gotta ask though too shack uh, how old are you if i may ask uh 24 Okay, I think I might be the ERP candidate for our group here. But, oh, Jesus. Uh, hey. Oh, man. He is so 47. Uh, God damn. Not too far off, unfortunately. No. Oh, my <laughs> God. No, I'm well, kidding. What? I'm ki- no, I'm kidding. I'm 27, so. But. You, you old man. Yeah. But. Uh, all the other people that I really liked, because I, I wasn't as hateful for a couple of people. I, did, I totally agree. Eddie Redmayne did not deserve to win that year. But, no. um, you know, I really, really like Jean Dujardin in The Artist. And I know The Artist has gotten the hype of being overrated and not good. But I think if you have to go for anyone who's really, really great in that film, he carries that film. He, he's just oh, got yeah. so much charisma and charm. And, you know, that, that movie wouldn't have been as good as it was without him in the lead performance, I think. Definitely. Like it's 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 a film I haven't seen, but like I've been meaning to. But the thing is, is that whole year in general, like 2011, was a weird like blind spot for me in the sense that like I had a weird mental block where like I couldn't remember like any of the films, like even the ones I liked, barely any of them were memorable to me. If that makes sense. Sure, sure. And uh, that was weird too because that was it's kind of a blind spot for me at least for the first half of the year because um, I served as a missionary for my church uh, for two years so I missed 2010 altogether uh, you know I caught up on a bunch of those after the fact but um, I came back in 2011 I had to do a big game of catch up because it's like yeah and I will admit too that maybe I was fre- you know wide eyed with like oh these movies are so great because I hadn't been watching movies for two years in a row but <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, definitely. But I will, I will kind of see in retrospect, like, yeah, you know, when I think of like the best films of 2011, it's like, you know, Moneyball was really good, Artist was really good, but I can't think of a lot of the other really great ones. But I thought at least he was one of my favorites. And then I know Shaq, I we disagree on this. I think yep. Casey Affleck deserved to win completely this last year. I no, I was. I know, and I, I, I know, I, and I, I see Ian disagrees with me too, because I think Denzel was fantastic in Fences, and I actually saw that with my mom, because it's a movie for grown-ups, so I brought a grown-up with me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> we had a very good conversation after Fences, because we were just talking about, you know, what the film means for its politics, its social messages, uh, what it says as a character study for Denzel, but Casey Affleck just had to do so much. Like, Denzel did a lot of heavy lifting, but Casey Affleck had to do so much subtle. He had to do so much with just his gestures, his eyes, his tone of voice, and the inflection for how he delivered the lines, which already is working off of a great script, you know, by, um, gosh, what's his name? The guy from Manchester by the Sea. Uh, but, yeah, Kenneth Lon- Kenny Lonergan. Lonergan, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I just think that it was a great pairing of actor and perf- and um, role in that case. And yeah, but sure, Ken- I'm... I'm not going to deny that he wasn't good. It's just my whole issue with Manchester by the Sea, just as a whole, is that it's a it's a movie that has two very good emotional points and a lot of nothing in between it. Oh, see, or, I I totally disagree, but I can see where people think that. But because <laughs> it like it's very like dry and clinical. Because at the beginning, I was cool. With it. I was like, you know, I want to see like what's this guy's deal, and then they show it early on. I was like, oh, okay, and that's emotional point number one i'm like okay where do we go from here and then a lot of like when uh what's his name uh lucas hedges comes in there's just like a lot of nothing to me at least to me it just feels very dry and dull until michelle williams shows up and then you know the moment she shows up is like i'm about to cry in the scene All right, got it. <laughs> no and michelle williams is one of our and great actresses she, they both knock it out of the park but then she leaves and then it's just like a lot of nothing until the movie just kind of ends see and i <sighs> I guess I come from the fact that I've not had many direct family members die. I've had a few, like both of my grandfathers passed away. 
And then uh, we actually had a very tragic uh, suicide with some family friends of ours. And having seen people going through those stages of grief, I felt that movie totally nailed a lot of the elements of how normal people deal with this stuff. Because we always get... Okay, in that sense, I can understand. Because, like, it's... I think it's because the... There's that disconnect for me. No, sure, that's sure. Kinda, that's what kind of took it out. Yeah, and I know that there's a few movies that have dealt with other subjects that I've not been involved with that I'm like, okay, I clearly I don't get it because that's not speaking to me, but I get that it speaks to other people in that case. So, no, I mean, I think, Ian, we cut you off a little bit earlier. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that I, uh, I, I, I completely agree uh, that sometimes, you know, a movie doesn't speak to me. Uh, like, you know, X-Men Apocalypse, I really, I couldn't relate, <laughs> I couldn't relate to that experience of, of being, you know, a giant blue man living through the 80s, so I wasn't able to get emotionally invested in it, you know. So I, 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 I get where you're coming from, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I, I hated that movie too, so <laughs> It's so, God, it's so boring. It's aggressively mediocre. Yeah. And uh, poor Brian Singer just getting fired off his own movie. No, no, fuck him, all right? If he's not going to show up to work, like, if he's going to be that unprofessional, come on, come on. I know, and he gave the excuse about a family member, and I don't know who's done it. No, no, no. I know, I know. he's done this multiple times. Yeah. I'm not even going to say why, because you you could already understand the implication of why I'm not saying why he probably wasn't there. No, I know the other stuff, too, yes. No, that stuff, I do say, yeah, screw him. Hey, guess what? Apparently Fox totally knew what was going on because literally hours after we said this, the other lawsuit came out about Bryant Singer. So I take back anything apologetic I said before or after this point. Uh, wow, Shaq, you were totally right on that one. My bad. The guy they replaced him with was the dude from Eddie the Eagle. Hey, I liked so. Eddie the Eagle. You back off right now. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't think that it was as beloved enough to get a divisive reaction on that, but okay, sure. <laughs> It's but. beloved enough by me. <laughs> well, hey, may, maybe musical biopics will be his for, uh, forte. But um, be, uh, what if he just did musical biopics of like every everything? Sure. Hey, like, they're um, like, hey, we're gonna make a musical biopic out of like the life and times of Julia Childs. Like, All right. I'm gonna cool. just be. I'm gonna just be sitting there angry because I'm like. God, another fucking musical. Hey, it's yeah. Queen, and Queen's one of my favorite bands of all time. So. Yeah. That being said, I'm really they, I feel like they have a big miss opportunity that they didn't cast like Michael Shannon in this movie. You know, as Freddie Mercury. I feel like that. Yeah, he's great. too old. That's the problem. Like if they no, come... no, he can do anything. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, seeing those images of Rami Malek, I'm like, okay, he really nails the part. Like, oh, like I'm, the, I'm, the look I'm, at yeah. least of it. But <laughs> I, I'm curious if he can do Actually, sing, if he can fake the singing because of his uh, mumble voice that he has normally. I'm just like, yeah, it's yeah. Freddie Mercury. And then talking like this. <laughs> Why is Dave Matthews playing uh, Freddie Mercury? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Well, that's an interesting choice. Like you, say, you say Michael Shannon could do anything. And, like, I could see that, but at the same time... You realize again, I'm kidding, back, right? Like, I don't actually want to see... No, we know, we know. No, no, but listen, listen, listen. In fucking Shape of Water, one thing we get to see is to see Michael Shannon fuck. And that's one thing I didn't think I ever needed to I, see, and I, I don't want to ever see ever, it again. ever, ever wanted to see that. It's it's horrifying, dude. Like, And I'm sure he wasn't just, acting. Yeah, oh, no, I don't I'm think sure, so, but it's 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 awful. I'm sure Michael Shannon's <laughs> kids had to come from somewhere, so... Oh, that's a horrifying... Still, I thought, I thought he pulled them... see the process. I thought he pulled them from the Phantom Zone, man. Don't... Ah, oh, God, <laughs> I don't think about that. <laughs> but uh, going back to my original topic, that was a fun little tangent there. <laughs> but um, I will say also, uh, you know, a lot of my favorites are best actors. There were a lot of, like, you know, 
a lot of the nominated picks that year. Uh, I thought Damien Bashir was fantastic in A Better Life. Uh, if anyone's ever seen that film. Mm, yeah. Oh, de- I oh, unfortunately definitely. have not. Yeah, like, I don't think he would have won that year, and I'm, I'm glad Dujardine won that year, but I thought him getting re- nominated was a fantastic recognition. I think he really, really nailed that part, personally. Um, someone who I thought was overrated winning? <sighs> Freaking Sean Penn, man. I, I, I don't dislike Sean Penn as an actor. I kind of have issues with him as a person. I think he's kind of an a-hole. <laughs> but, um, no! Yeah. yeah, I know. Surprising. But it's just a problem that that year had so many great performances. I mean, Frank Langella for Frost Nixon. Richard Nix- oh. I mean, uh, Richard Jenkins for The Visitor. Mickey Rourke yeah. for The Wrestler. And Sean Penn wins for Milk. Yeah, no, Mickey Mickey Rourke was my was my number one. That that one actually was the first time that it really hurt that I didn't that my favorite didn't win. And then of course Sean Penn I, goes up. I got first emotional thing he does, from that. Yeah, the first thing he does is give a really big political speech, and it's like, sure, that's common nowadays, especially, but back then where you wanted a very grateful Mickey Rourke acceptance speech, and you just get Sean Penn. It's just, uh, uh, but, it's okay. He got that Iron Man two money. It all worked out. <laughs> and, hey, and that immortal immortals yeah that movie since 2011 yeah he, he clearly got a free lunch for that movie because of all the scenes that he eats in that film <laughs> God. i know i pointed that to my dad because he didn't never saw it before when we went we watched it together like on a late night and he was just like yeah he is eating in every scene what the heck you that, <laughs> that marlon brando clause clause in his contract <laughs> <laughs> or what was it from um uh uh jodorowsky's dune where they were hiring um orson welles to, <laughs> orson to get, Will, his, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get his personal chef if he agreed for the movie um but then best actress uh this one again i uh, it's a problem too that a lot of my favorite um candidates that year didn't win i mean uh Gosh, going down the list. I think, okay, my three favorites that I picked, uh, Brie Larson and Jennifer Lawrence were the top ones because I think mm. they were both very deserving and very good, even with great competition behind them. But um, I will say the one person since, I know you, did, you didn't see this film, Shaq, but Kate Blanchett and Blue Jasmine I thought was great. And I think Blue Jasmine as a whole is a good film. It's not nowhere near Woody Allen's best. It's probably his last good movie he's made in the last few years. But Kate Blanchett really saved that movie. She's just, you know, she, she's a, a tour de force in it. Um, but then otherwise, uh, when I think of really good nominated performances, even last year, uh, you know what, no, last year, I don't think it was a really good example. I thought the Best Actress Waste was really weak, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Honestly, uh, the thing is, with last year's, I heard, like, a lot of, a lot of the frontrunner, I thought it was gonna be, uh, what's her name, uh, aside from Emma Stone, was gonna be Isabelle Huppert for Elle. Yeah, which I hear, because I hear she's great, I've not seen I her. heard nothing but just, like, massive praise... And I was thinking, oh, she might actually be the Wonder Woman. Because didn't she, I believe, she won the Golden Globe for it? Yeah. Uh, yes, she did. And so I was thinking, oh, this might be it. Like, she might actually take it. And, yeah, then the La La Land, like, steamroller just showed up. Well, I also think <laughs> I also think a lot of the Academy saw Elle and were so weirded out by it, they didn't want to think about it ever, ever, ever again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, to, that's not to sound disparaging. I love Elle, but... No, and I agree, and I think that's that is definitely why it did win because it's such icky subject matter, and it, it's not like they never recognized icky subject matter, but they're very unlikely to do so in most cases. <laughs> but um, I think for other deserving nominations, I saw in the last few years, um, Nat, Naomi Watts in The Impossible was great. Uh, I mm. and I thought The Impossible got really seriously overlooked in a lot yeah. of categories because, uh, and it, it was so sad. I had to watch it like on, you know just way after the fact because no theaters I knew had it nearby me at the time. Um, but yeah, I think she was great in that. I think that 
uh, Quivenzene Wallace was really good in Beast of Southern Wild, which was a huge... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was just a huge shock for that for me. Um, and then, if I had to just pick one last one, uh, I'm fighting between. But, okay, yeah. And then I mentioned uh, Gabroy Sidibe, I thought, was really, really great. I think she totally deserved the win that year. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, so that was just a fun little end discussion. I think that's about everything else I had left. Uh, anyone else had any other topics or things they wanted to bring up? No, not really. I think we, yeah, we got all of it. I mean, we could keep talking about X Men Apocalypse and its Oscar chances, but you know, I think that, maybe that's <laughs> yeah, just years after the fact. Yeah. Actually, you know what? You know, what? I'm gonna bring up one thing. You know what should win every award again? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, it should. <laughs> it should win every award for every category from now till the end of fucking time. Yeah, that, yeah, that gets that gets the uh, the old uh, co-host uh, award of uh, like that uh, Dark Knight had for uh, quite a few years of just every year. Yeah. Oh, what's gonna get nominated this year? Dark Knight. No, that was great. But then, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then La La Land will be right behind it with its steamroller as well. <laughs> it's just, it'll be like that scene from um, that fucking steamroller. No, I was like, blow the shit up. It'll, it'll be like that scene from uh, Naked Gun where they run over the guy with one thing, and they run over the guy with another thing. It'll just be Mad Max leading the charge with La La Land right behind it. <laughs> it's just. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a pretty fun Academy Awards now that you, now you say it like that. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's going to be great. But, all right, actually, on that I note, we're going to... I had a prediction. Gonna... I, w- I, w- I wanted that if Mad Max won, actually won Best Picture, I wanted George Miller to just literally roll up in the vehicles from the fucking on stage. <laughs> oh, I wanted I wanted the entire cast and crew to, like, grab grenades and jump into the crowd while screaming Witness and just take the <laughs> Academy right. Awards with them. I know. I mean, heck, one of the people who won that year, she was pretty much dressed up in her Mad Max outfit because the, co- yeah. the costume was designer. Dazzled at Morton Joe logo, and I'm like, I want that. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was awesome when I saw that. But on that note, we have been going on for quite a bit of time, and I want to thank everyone who's been listening for this entire thing. This has been really, really fun talking about this stuff. Um, oh, this has been great. Yeah. So we either record next week or the week after, but. Uh, there's quite a bit of stuff coming up on the horizon. We have still a few more um, preliminary awards, precursor awards. Uh, you know, AFI supposedly is coming out sometime today, so we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but, um, and I think, I don't know if the Golden Globes, I know they're they're going to finish submissions for ballots um, within the next week or two. So either that will come out by the time we're ready, or we'll talk about maybe like some predictions for that. But uh, otherwise, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, gentlemen, where can people find you? Uh, anywhere on the internet? Uh, Ian. In that case, uh, you can find me on uh, doubletoast.com where I host Sammy Ain't Seen Shit. You can also see me this week on uh, Toast to Toast with Will Valley. And uh, you can also find me on oneofus.net on uh, various different reviews. I think I'll be on the Star Wars review this week. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. That's awesome. So, wait, you're reviewing uh, Star Wars this week? Oh, I'm seeing it on Monday. I'm very Ooh, excited. I... You motherfucker. Oh, oh, oh dude. I, you have no idea how excited I am for Monday afternoon. <laughs> oh, listen! Monday afternoon, we're not on speaking terms until I see it. So, oh, Thursday well, that's night. that's understandable. I'll I'll just I'll think about that when I'm sitting in the theater watching Star Wars: Last Jedi with <laughs> with, with, Chris, with Chris Cox to the left of me and Corey Coleman to the right of me. I'll just keep that in asshole. Mind. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. When I get to Austin, it's not if, it's when. I'm running up on you. Yeah, you That's keep, what's going to happen. You keep saying that, but, you know, the months keep passing, so. Hey, hey, listen. I'm making plans this time. I'm sure I'm you are. Concrete I'm plans. sure you are. Yeah, you get back to me. <laughs> listen. Oh, boy. Anyway, where can we yeah. find you on the internet? 
Yeah, Shaq, where can they oh. find you? Oh, me? I'm pretty much on all forms of social media at Shaq Excellence. That's S-H-A-K Excellence. So, like, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Tumblr, <laughs> Twitter. Uh, yeah, pretty much anywhere you can find it's the same username. Awesome. No, I – yeah, that, I've seen you on quite a few of the different social media accounts. And then uh, – yeah, that's awesome. Um, but – and then for me, you can find me here, obviously, as the host. But I also write all the notes for The Breakfast Pub, which is the, clearly the best podcast on all the website. But – Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's also lots of great content on oneofus.net that we also, you know, work with some great colleagues. You know, Chris Cox, he just runs a great show here. Uh, I want to pimp out the Books and Beer podcast that just started up. Uh, it's really, really fun listen. And I just, I like the fact there is a podcast on the site for books. You know, just something that's so completely out of the blue compared to movies and TV and everything else. Uh, it's really, really great. Um, become a subscriber. You get a whole bunch of content with uh, the original gentlemen where they talk about comics and their you know, weekly viewings of television and movies and everything else. Uh, there's just lots of great stuff to check out. So with that, uh, this is the Eye on the Prize, and we are signing off. So say goodbye, everybody, or goodnight, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Later. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.